Good morning. You're listening to My Rapids Real Estate Show on AM 1320 WFHR, your weekly radio show focusing on real estate, the market, and everything related to housing in central Wisconsin. Welcome back. Again, I'm Ben. And I'm Carrie Nikolai. We're with Coto Banker Seward Realtors here in Wisconsin Rapids. You are the agent. Yes, I am. And I'm your licensed assistant. And my husband too. Right? It's convenient that way. It is. So this past weekend was 4th of July weekend. It was. We made it, we tried to make it into Project Weekend, like 101, something like that. I mean, we had like a good laundry list of projects and it was supposed to be like the 20 minute projects right to kind of like stack them all up that we're going to start on friday afternoon so friday afternoon 5 p.m we are going to like start project number one and run it all the way into monday at 5 p.m i mean we had weekend right and luckily you had planned a little while ahead it started about a week or two ago when our favorite wine distributor called us up and said, Hey, we're sending you some wine. They always ask if I want to send more. And I always just say, yes, I don't know why, but I just, whenever they call, it's kind of fun when their name pops up. I'm like, yes, I'll take it. They're like, you don't even know who you're talking to. I'm like, yes, I do. And yes, I will take more. And it doesn't matter. Just send us, send us the case. So, but yeah, Parallel 44, it's really great wine. Um, We're on their wine club. So they, every, what, three times a year? Yeah, every other month, I believe. Yeah. Something like that. So and three times a year. Well, three times a year is not every other month. So roughly about three times a year. Sure. So we get a shipment of, of wine in and they always call and ask if I want to add more to it and just have to say yes. And if you want some in between, we can just run over to Kiwani. Right. It's not that far away. It's not that far away. No. And the nice thing too is some of our local stores, so Richard Liquor's, and Ruby Reds do carry the wine. Yes, so they do. They do carry some. They don't carry the whole entire line, but they do carry some, which is really great. So if we desperately need some, I mean, we can just drive to our local liquor store and pick some up. And we also use this as gifts as well. We do. So, so it, I mean, it's not just for personal consumption. Right. <laughs> and those, those last minute, oh, shoot, we needed something. We just go, go visit Richard. So. But yeah, I mean, had a, had a great plan, had an awesome plan figured out. Uh, we had a closing on Wednesday, so the Wednesday before the 4th. So that Wednesday we had a closing and started doing our normal realm of closing gifts. So, you know, we have that homemade basket that I make, the jelly that we make, the soap from Falling Pines, the goat soap. The goat soap. The goat soap. And then all the ruby red stuff that we put in there too. So, I mean... We have our, our plant and ran downstairs to grab the basket to realize that we only have one. So a year ago, during our COVID stay at safer at home type of thing, I made 56 closing baskets. Yes, you did. You know, you can't go show homes because nobody's letting you into the home. You can send emails and everything like that, but there's only so many emails you can send in a day. So sat down and just cranked out all of these closing baskets. So the theory was if we have the baskets, a bin full of baskets, we can just grab them and fill everything up and out the door we go. Because if we have closing baskets ready, then we're going to have closings. We have to have a closing. If you build it, they will come. Right. So discovered we only had one left. Wait, wait, wait. This just occurred to me. So because you made so many baskets, that's the reason why... The housing market has been so crazy for the last year and a half. Yep, pretty much just because I have made so many baskets. You're going to have to make some more. And that was the goal, was on Friday, come 5 o'clock, which is going to start the making of the new baskets, making more of the baskets. And super excited. As soon as I got one done, we get a phone call, want to go take a look at this home, and it was a going show. So we went to go, go show a home. Great, great family. I mean, when we say this, do not ever take it the wrong way that, you know, you're interrupting the great plan because 
I rather talk to you guys than have to make make the baskets. But I like making the baskets. It's kind of soothing. It's my little bit of therapy. But your fingers can only take so much anyway. Right. I can only make, I can now only make like five baskets per day. So I got it down pat pretty much where now it's it's pretty easy. So that's kind of how my weekend went. So every single time I touched the basket, you know, we got a phone call. We got an offer in, went and talked with a seller, came home, made a basket. So we were doing some pretty good basket making over the weekend. Only got 16. Only got 16 made. So now I'm going to have to go out to the garage and stain them. So they're made, but they're not stained. It's okay. It's going to be ready for you out there. We've got the air conditioning cranked up. It's nice and dry. It's all dehumidified for you. Awesome. The only thing I do not like, I'm going to be honest here, do not like that the house does not smell like stain. I really do like the smell of the stain. It, there's, and I'm kind of a nerd about that. There I'm, is something nostalgic about it. it there is. That and uh, the gun oil, a Happy's 9. Okay, I really don't get it with the gun oil, but you get it. You like it. Hmm? There's, there's nothing better than the smell of the gun, of the, the stain, of staining the baskets. It was always kind of fun. My dad did a lot of woodworking. He always stained in the basement. The house always smelled like stain whenever he was working on it. That's when we knew a project was done and there was going to be something pretty and beautiful that dad's going to bring upstairs. I don't get that anymore. You can still go out to the workshop and get your stain smell. I should almost dry them in the house. <laughs> we're going to have to come to a compromise. I know. So, but yeah, so we're, we're working on that. So we're, we're, I'm working on basket staining or basket weaving. So I was trying to weave closing baskets to make a better stockpile and found out that in my grand plan of things, I did not check to see how much I actually had left of reed that stained and or dyed. So dyed reed. So we have blue reed that we put in the basket. So those have to be get dyed. Did not figure out that I was at the very end of it. So I had to stain some reed, which then I got to go to showings with blue hands. It matches your blue Coldwell Banker shirt. Exactly. So, you know, definitely if you're going on showings with me and, you know, doing all this basket working, making situation and you see that I do have blue hands, it's okay. They're not hurt. But so we had to stain some some reed and that was kind of fun. But then I had to stop making baskets because then there's a process. So didn't get as many done as I would like. But the nice thing is, is I did find my supplier. And ordered a bunch of reed. So that should be here by Friday. Ooh, fantastic. I know. So we're going to kick it up again and probably spend a couple weekends now of just cranking them out. And hopefully this weekend you're going to be teaching other people how to make baskets. Yeah, the office is really excited about it. Um, They saw the pictures of what the ones that I did make. I made a cute little pyramid and took a picture of it. So they were pretty excited about it. And I think last year or the year before, I think it was the year before we had the office over to the house and we all made our, our little baskets. And so now they want to try it with a pattern in it. So we're going to have the office over this weekend and we're going to make some baskets. That sounds fun. I know. Cole Banker Seward crafting it up. So what else did we have go on this weekend? So then you kind of took over the little bit of the laundry list of re, I don't want to say repairs, but projects. Maintenance items. Right. So we noticed with the new home that our drip edge was not in the correct location. So we're talking about the roof, the the shingles and how the shingles were installed the last go around. It's been a few years. Right. Um, like you said, there's usually the, the seven year hail storms. So 07, 2014 and 19, 19. Close enough. Yep. So the house was roofed probably in one of the later ones, so uh, mm-hmm. or the, the earlier ones, 2007 probably. Um, however, the shingle overhang and the drip edge overhang was not sufficient enough to divert the water into the rain gutter system that was installed after the roof was shingled. 
So instead, the rain was coming right down the drip edge, right down the fascia behind the gutter, defeating the entire purpose of having a gutter in the first place. Right. So that was causing water to get in in our front porch, our front stoop area. And it was flooding areas that shouldn't have as much water as it did. Okay. So I'm like, the roof is maybe got a few years left on it. So how what what can we do to extend the, well, I, I should say, to extend the uh, water diversion system to make the rain gutters more effective and actually because there's nothing really wrong with our rain gutters. It was a homeowner special, the plastic that come in the 10 foot links over at the Home Depot. So it it's adequate. It just, things weren't installed properly to make it functional. Okay. Right. So I'm thinking I'm not going to rip off shingles and do that because we're going to have to do a full install in a couple of years. The rain gutter I could have reinstalled with different rain gutters, but it probably wouldn't have solved the problem. So we went and we got a deeper drip edge. And that de-edging I installed and, and gooped with roofing tar underneath the shingles so that it would still cause water diversion, but it brought out the lip of that water diversion about an inch and a half. Okay. Subsequently... On Monday, Tuesday, we've been having a lot of rain. Which has been fun. It's been fun. It was torrential rains, and we could just sit there and watch, and it just, whoop, right into the gutter, just as it was supposed to. And the really neat, okay, so we did the front of the house. Correct. With this drip edge. Now, the back of the house, we have the little sun porch. Right. So there had a whole different ball of wax of questionable... I'm going to call it questionable attitude because whenever we get any kind of rain, it would actually rain into the sun porch. So either we have a hole that we need to have fixed or, or something. So what did we do? What did you really do to the back of the house? So I added a simple L flashing to again, divert the water from as it came down the shingles on one level of the roof, it would um, drop over where the joint is of the sun porch roof because the sun porch roof is, or the screen porch roof is bolted into the rafter tails of the back of the garage. And there's about a two inch drop down. But again, because the drip edge from the upper layer roof wasn't as stood off as perhaps it should have been. Then the water ran right down again, the fascia and right through into the screen porch. Okay. So adding a little bit of flashing diverted the water farther out. Um, The previous owners had this problem as well. They used a liquid flashing, kind of like a rubber roofing material to try to um, fix the problem. But it was kind of a stopgap measure. The thing with those types of products is they degrade over time. So having a more permanent metal flashing piece installed is a better solution longer term. And then did you add the extra drip edge to the front or to the north side of the sun porch? No, I didn't. Oh, you didn't. I thought you did. Because it was very, it was so much fun to be in the sun porch. When the storms came through the other night, so yeah. on Tuesday night. Yeah, we got about, um, it was raining about a three inch per hour volume of, of water and it just sheeted right off. The it edge did. Of it. I mean, it was just fantastic to watch. Mm-hmm. Probably the only person out there who just thinks this is like so much fun that when the sirens go off, you find like the most not safest place to be to sit there to watch the storms come in. Now... From my background, being a safety enthusiast, I'm going to have to warn everybody to not do that and instead heed the warnings from the National Weather Service where they say go inside and go to the basement, the lowest part or the safest, most interior room of your house. 
Not the sun porch. Not the sun porch, but it is cool to see the storms rolling. It was really cool to watch the storms come in. And since we had done the water diversion activities, we obviously needed to see how they worked. Right. And it worked out phenomenal. I mean, it was so much fun to watch the water come right off the roof and just, it was like a sheet of water. You could not even see the flower garden right outside the screen porch. So it was super cool to be in there. Yes, I do understand that if, you know, winds got a little bit deeper and trees were falling down, that they're probably not the best place to be. But we came up with a solution to that. We're going to be extending the sun porch over four feet so that way we can have a door leading into the garage at least. We're going to think about it. Okay. Because that's going to be a project for another year. Oh, yeah. Later. For sure. Later on. Because we've got to pour some concrete. Yeah. But I've got the right paint in the sprinkles to put over the top of it. So it'll blend very nicely. So what other projects did we do? Also with the screen porch. Now the screens that we have on three sides of our screened in area are on the west, north, and east sides, which helps because we don't get a lot of that really hot midday sun in the screen porch. But at the same time, though, all the storms come from the west and to kind of protect everything that we have in there. We needed to figure out a system or something to be able to see the traffic, but also prevent weather from coming in. So less, less claustrophobic than um, one of the previous solutions, which was a plastic sheet. So like a, a six or nine millimeter thick plastic sheeting, like you would use for like painting a room, you know, to mask off areas. Mm-hmm. So the plastic sheeting on... The back of a wooden frame screwed to the screen porch. It was good enough for the winter time. It did its job. Right. But let's try to think of a better option. So what did you get? So we decided to go with the corrugated see-through panels. That you would use for like a greenhouse roof? Yes. So Mm -hmm. something like that, we put that up on the west and part of the north side of the house or the, the sun porch. So that really has worked out really well. Let's in a lot more natural light. We can watch the sunset from in there. So being able to see a little bit better in there later on in the evening hours is quite nice. And when the rains come in, it definitely does not come into the, the sun porch through those windows. And of course, with the torrential rains that we've had recently, we've proven that. Right. So that, that was a good, good handyman fix, I think. Right. I think uh, at some point when we do look at what to do with that screen porch, you know, finding a little bit different permit solution. I mean, what we did is perfectly fine. I mean, I would even leave it that way. I mean, I feel it's a, it's a good solution. So to me, I think that that's good, but maybe frame it up a little bit to make it look a little bit, I don't want to say nicer because it is nice, but just to frame it up just a little bit differently along the way. Yeah, and, and we know that it is a screen porch, it's an outdoor area, so we weren't 100% concerned with absolutely a waterproof solution. Right. We just wanted to... We still needed to breathe. Right. And we just wanted to prevent that water from coming in the, the, or slower that, make it slower. Right, the the driving force rains and the snowstorm in the wintertime. Right. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it'll still be, you know, we still use that area during the wintertime. So again, not having to shovel out that area would be much appreciated. So the way that that area still can be used in the wintertime. Right. And maybe, maybe it's a good place for a hot tub in the wintertime. We're thinking about it. We are. We are. So there's some options, maybe a sauna. I'm not sure. We'll have to see what we do with it. We're going to have to upgrade the electrical in the house to do any of that. Very true. Um, So now... Over the weekend, your hands were blue and mine were full of tar. So what else did we do? Uh, you painted. So we got a little bit of the painting. So again, in that sun porch, we just, we wanted to brighten it up a little oh, bit. That's true. So mm-hmm. we painted that lower half inside wall white. Yep. So we put on a coat of paint just to get it white and kind of looking a little bit more friendlier. A little bit more fresh and we reflect some of that light. So it's a little bit brighter in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually we'll add in um, some hanging incandescent looking lights. They're actually LED, but they look like uh, Edison lights. 
Yes. We do need to add some sort of lighting in there because come about 8, 30, 9 o'clock, it's kind of dark in there and you don't get that opportunity to still use it later in the evening. Especially as we go into fall and winter time, we would like to use it. Oh, yes. Um, and then not just one coat, but two coats of paint. Unfortunately, it was on the lower half, like the wainscoting area. And yeah, let's see. The 4th of July was extremely hot. But the nice thing is we and, were low to the ground. Well, that that was also the unfortunate thing because... we were low to the ground. <laughs> I was on my knees. And with it being so sweaty, I slipped off my kneeling pad. And now I have an appointment with a physical therapist or chiropractor in a day or two. So yay, getting older is so much fun. But that really highlights why we're doing a lot of the home improvements that we are. I mean, we we know our bodies are going to fail us eventually. Mm-hmm. So creating an environment that we can still be active and useful and be at the house as long as we possibly can. Right. And we're looking at too, you know, these are current day, I'm calling them band-aids because we want it to look a little bit nicer than what it is, mm-hmm. but we're not to the point where we're ready to tear it all down to put up something that is going to be a maintenance-free because ultimately that's going to be the goal is to make everything maintenance-free so that way we don't really have to do a whole lot to it. We can still enjoy the space and it's still going to look nice and it's going to last so that way our children can sell it. Fantastic. And the way the current market is and future market, they're going to be able to sell it for far more than what we paid for it. Exactly. <laughs> Got to get the real estate plug in there somehow, right? Exactly. So, but yeah, we're we're looking at doing that. So we did a little bit of painting in the sun porch. Again, you know, just trying to make some of those low cost changes that's going to have a high reward. Right. So, you know, even if tomorrow we decide to sell the house, doing what we did over the weekend a lot of it was a lot of low cost, but it's going to be a high, high end reward because we're making, we're adding value to the house. We're making that look more presentable, that sun porch more presentable than the way it was when we bought it. So making those small little changes is really good. And then one other change that we did not get to this weekend, but that's okay. Um, you, I got you the garage door opener for the second garage. Right. And for then- site B. And I've got the uh, parts and pieces all scattered over the the garage in preparation for that installation. I need a couple more bits and bobs to uh, actually fully install the Home device. Home Depot's only two two miles away. I know, but it's been busy. I know. It's been busy. It's House, been a crazy houses week. Houses have been coming on the market. Listings have happened. Yeah. And it's been raining. Mm-hmm. So one of the other maintenance items, because we have an asphalt driveway, or at least oh, yeah. partially asphalt driveway. Yep. I, I did get the tar on my hands and everyone knows you, you just have to do those outdoor blacktop projects on the hottest weekend of the year. Most definitely. I mean, I think it is a 100% must, just like putting up Christmas lights. It has to be on the coldest day with the sleet mm-hmm. on a ladder at an angle Doing the electrical work because doing it now is not appropriate. No, it'd be cheating. It would be. Right. No, now is the time that we do roofing projects and asphalt driveway projects. You know, the things that, no kid, don't. We're being sarcastic. Plan it out a little bit This was your first uh, driveway that you seal coated. <laughs> this, this was my first seal coating experience. And how did that go? It, it As expected. Like, like you said, it was just like frosting a cake. Everything comes back to food. It does. Thanks. So, yeah, it's just like frosting a cake. I mean, you just, okay, there's a couple steps. You can patch all the stuff, but first you have to wash it. So there's special soap that you get to get and you wash it, you scrub it, you let it dry. It takes only five minutes when it's the hottest day. Right. Which is actually why you do it when it's, you know, bright and sunny out. Right. The downside of doing that is you have less working time mm-hmm. with the seal coat product. Right. And it was just a little tiny squeegee that you, okay, it wasn't a little tiny, but it was a squeegee, right. like an 18-inch squeegee that you just smeared the schmutz all over the place and filled in the cracks. If someone is good at cleaning windows, you know, they see the, the fancy window cleaner with the squeegee, you know, especially- and you do in, the little S shape. Yep. yep. The figure eights and- If you can do that, 
you can seal coat your driveway pretty easy. Mm-hmm. It actually turned out fairly good. I uh, think so too. We we underestimated how much product we needed, but it was. But Home Depot's two two miles away, which is fantastic. So we just got more. Right. And that turned out pretty good. Now the reason why you do the seal coating project, do you, do you know why you do the seal coating? Other than because winter good? is coming. Winter is coming. Do you know how it relates to that? Um, if I remember right, this seals all the cracks so that way when you have the sleet, the sleet doesn't get into the cracks and freeze and make them into bigger cracks and eventually just kind of deteriorates. So this is kind of that prevention that you want to do. So you lay it down and seal up all the cracks so that way when the rains come and the freezing weather comes, it protects your your investment. That is exactly correct. Um, and in the same breath, if you have a concrete driveway or sidewalk that you want to protect, getting the cracks filled. Now, there there are normal expansion joints, but you can even use a, a specific crack filler for ex- expansion joints where it'll actually uh, move a little bit. It'll be flexible. And then making sure that your major cracks are also filled properly with the proper product for it. And it's really great at, at Home Depot. It, this is not like a Home Depot plug. This whole entire hour is really not. But well, we really only have a Home Depot in Wisconsin Rapids, right? But we, we and it's do, two miles from our house. I know. Well, you can also get these products at other home centers. So, right. um, Ace has some options, and I, you know, House Building, Metcalf Lumber, right? Plenty of other options too. Right, and they they have in the section. So, if you're looking at the seal coating stuff, they'll have you know, if you need to get some tar to fill in the cracks and. It kind of walks you through a little bit of the steps. Big cracks, little yeah, cracks. You know, asphalts, you know, if there's potholes in there, you can get the, you know, some asphalt that you can just, you know, kind of mix together and put into the pothole to fill in before you seal coat it and everything. Mm-hmm. Cold patch. So it, it's really great to kind of go there and just kind of go, okay, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to get. I just remember dad getting the bucket and he brought it home and... He opened it, poured it on the concrete, and smeared it around. I mean, that's what I remember of seal coating. So it was kind of interesting to go there the, in, as like an adult <laughs> and try to figure out, okay, well, what am I supposed to get? Because there's like seven steps. I just want to do like two. So what two are the most important step versus, yeah, there's a lot of steps here. I don't really know if I really need this product or not, but... I'll settle on two out of the seven steps. Well, and we know we'll have to do it again in a year or two. Right. So usually about every two years, I think. Mm-hmm. And we actually had some neighbors stop by and kind of inquire to what we were doing and, you know, congratulate us on being the new homeowners and taking care of the place. They seemed very impressed of how much work we actually do. Apparently we make them exhausted just by watching us. Which is a good thing. Mission has been accomplished. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, it was great to a chance to get out and meet the the neighbors or have the neighbors come meet us and while we're working on some of those projects. And with the the blacktop seal coating project, it was also very nice that the products nowadays are not as stinky. They're not as like tar based as right. they used to be. I remember the house always stinking for at least a week afterwards. Yeah. It it's not that good smell like the you know, staining. Right. It's, it's a different smell. It's a different smell, which right. you only you only get once in a while. Mm-hmm. So we don't have that anymore. It definitely is a friendlier product for the installer to put, put down for sure. Right. It was a very simple project that, you know, able to accomplish. So we also, I also did some lawn, you know, just working in the lawn as, mm-hmm. as we usually do. So trimming and mowing. Um, the lawn is coming back now that we've had some rain. And it's nice to see that the it filled in. Right. In in the patches where it was a little crispier. Yep. We we had the crispy week and I did the foolish thing of actually running the lawnmower on the crispy parts. Now you could have opted to use the push mower. It it would have made smaller lines instead of the big Would there have been squishes? footprints yeah. in, in the yard? Because that would have been kind of cool. <laughs> that would have been neat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the downside of the big machine is it's got big tires and it's got bigger weight. So with the uh, the dormant and toasted grass, 
it really crunched it over and I think I broke the grass a little bit. That's okay. It comes back. It does. It It's come back and it hasn't come back full of weeds in those spots. So I'm very pleased with that. Mm-hmm. Like I said, in the fall, we're going to have to do a dethatch and overseeding project anyway. Awesome. So my favorite words. Y'all who are Thatching. following us, you know, keep following for those updates. And it's time for another round of bug killer too, if I remember right. Right. The proper pesticides, because as the grubs, for instance, the, the cycle of the grubs, we had the June bugs mm-hmm. and grubs grow into June bugs. And then they have offspring, which drop into the lawn, which then become more grubs. And what do grubs eat? They eat the lawn. They love the roots, especially if you grow a lawn that has good meaty roots that are very tasty. I hope our roots are tasty. I don't know. I'm not going to try. I was going to say, please don't. So a grub preventer, and it's also going to help with the mole problem. So we have moles running through our lawn. I think we have less. Um, I think they have left. Because we've taken their food source away. Excellent. Now, I'm not a proponent of heavy chemical use, but keeping the pests away also prevents worse things from happening. You know, so the the moles will come in and they will eat through things and they might start eating through, you know, underground utilities or trying to get into the house. Maybe they they won't, um, but that could cause access for mice or other pests, carpenter ants, for instance. Mm -hmm. So some pesticide use responsibly, I think, is a good thing. Yeah, the the blackbirds, the crows also like to eat those scrumptious morsels. Excellent, we've got them. Oh, we do. But they've been less the past week or so, I've I've noticed. So I think their food source is also going away. Mm -hmm. Yep, a little bit of pesticide. I I think it's about time, um, as indicated by our garden pests as well. So talk about our garden. So yeah, over the weekend, um, we had our our broccoli. I needed to... To harvest the broccoli. Now, we were experimenting with some other produce that we hadn't done before. So like right. the lettuce and kohlrabi and broccoli. Right. So the broccoli we needed to harvest because it was getting so hot. I kept checking it and I almost think it was cooking out in the sun. I think it was getting to that point of it was cooking. So I had to pull those. And so I did that. I pulled them and brought them in. And once I started pulling the plants out and everything is when I kind of noticed a lot of the earwigs. So the earwigs like that moist kind of rotting vegetation. Mm-hmm. So those, the roots and all the extra leaves that were in there and just having that environment for those earwigs and they kind of earwig me out. And so, you know, pulling everything out was quite beneficial because I noticed that even when we pulled out the cabbage, we should have done that like a week ago because it already started to not be fresh. Okay. So I think we're only able to save one out of the three oh, that we okay. had. Um, And then I pulled the red cabbage too, because if the regular cabbage was ready to be pulled, Manus will pull that one. And again, a lot of the earwigs, because again, a lot of that moisture was there. So I had to pull all of that stuff. So unfortunately, our red cabbage was super small. I mean, a little bit bigger than a baseball, not really softball size. So I think next year probably I'm not going to be doing those. I mean, it was great to try. Right. Well, what's the worst that could happen? Right. Is it completely fails or the best that could happen is now we have fresh produce. Right. So, I mean, it was really great. So the the broccoli. So what we did is we did like a salt, salt brine. Okay. So it's one gallon of water to, I did three quarters cup of salt because I kind of felt it was a lot of salt. But you put it in there and let the broccoli sit in the water for a half hour. And that helps get all those extra little critters out of the broccoli because it's Mm -hmm. a very tight um, flower. So let them sit over over for a half an hour and pulled them out and did a little bit of blanching with them. And they're in the freezer. So this is going to be a great opportunity to kind of see how the freezing aspect goes. So this might be, we can eat it fresh or saute it off type of situation, or it might be broccoli and soup. Ooh, fantastic. I know. No, I also like my broccoli with cheese. 
it's one of the few things that I really enjoyed at like school, you mm-hmm. know, in the cafeteria food, broccoli with cheese. So my grandma would always do that for us for uh, Christmas. She would always have the broccoli and cauliflower in this like cheesy sauce. Sure. And it was always really good. Really kind of didn't felt really bad when I couldn't eat it, when I couldn't have dairy because it was like the one thing I look forward to because the cheese sauce was always really good with her ham mm-hmm. yet too. And that was like one of the things I remember of my grandma of her ability to cook and so very much miss it. I think a lot of us do. Now, mm-hmm. I, I I don't mean your grandma's yeah. cooking, but our, our own grandma's for sure. Um, one of my favorite things to do now, though, in the garden, because we have, you know, some lettuce and some leafy produce and eventually we'll have beans and peas. I'm really hoping so. Is to just go out and pluck right from, you know, the garden itself especially like right after it rains or just after you've watered the garden. And I go over and I give a little shake and, you know, and like fluff the, uh, the lettuce leaves and then pick like a couple and just eat them right there. Mm-hmm. It is very nice and very tasty to do that. I'm really hoping though that the beans and the peas do start to produce because that's one thing I've noticed this year. We planted or when we planted, I think we planted around that Memorial weekend. A little bit before that. A l- maybe like a week before, right. but not like we, we planted it in, in, in early May or, you know, late April, but we planted like we normally plant. Maybe a little bit on the early side by a couple of days, but yeah, it was fairly normal. Right. We still haven't seen any peas. I mean, the peas are now just starting to blossom. Interesting. And, right. So, I mean, it's all been late blossoming items. And that could be the variety that we're that we planted. I'm not I sure. Don't think so, because it's usually the same peas I get. Okay, but we're getting that that later because we should have been picking peas like end of June, and we're just now seeing the blossoms on those peas. Yeah, so we're a couple so weeks late. We're with a that. couple weeks late, which kind of has me a little bit concerned of what is kind of going on with the garden. So not sure what to change for next year. Some of it could be the soil. So like we talked about with the pests being active in there, I think mm-hmm. some of that may have came with the soil that we picked up. Um, the, that's the downside of the communal compost pile. It is. You just don't know what's in there. Um, and also it's primarily compost that we were using to plant in. So it's it's very nutrient heavy. It's it's kind of a hot mix if you want to. I mean, we call have. That. I mean, the so plants are big. They're doing really really well, right? But it might be that the plant thinks there's so much nitrogen there that it's just going to grow a lot of top growth and not put in as much effort to producing seed. Ah, okay. Because uh, I believe your cucumbers, zucchinis, the zucchinis. Okay, that. They look kind of the same. No, they don't. Well, kind of the same. No. Okay. So the zucchinis aren't producing like we had expected to. Yeah, we only either. have two zucchinis this year so far. But I think we have more more flowers that just haven't formed yet. So again, they're forming later than I think we expect. Right. So I'm crossing my fingers. I'm really hoping this year for Christmas. Every year we do the, you know, the four cookies. I'm really hoping this year we can do zucchini bread and give zucchini bread out to our past clients. So cross my fingers. Well, we you, have enough zucchini that we can do that. We can do freshly made zucchini. It it depends because they're going to have to get past the the zucchini bread is going to have to get past the people who are here at the house first. And it's one of the things that I do enjoy. I know. All I have to do is say that I'm making zucchini bread and my two children will show up as well. And then I've got three of you to figure this out of you get a loaf, you get a loaf, you get a loaf. Go away. The next batch you can have a little bit more. <laughs> but it's good stuff. It, it it's, is. It's it a food really of good. love. It's it the is. comfort food. So I don't mind. I don't mind. But but yeah, so I'm really hoping this year we could do zucchini bread for Christmas. If it comes down to it, I may have to just go to the farmer's market and pick some up and make it that way. That wouldn't be so bad 
either. No, no, definitely not. And then we could do some social media posts about being at the farmer's market and picking up produce. And I haven't gone down yet this year, so I'm really, really should get on that and go visit them on a Saturday. Certainly. And then we've got the option over on 48th Street. For down on the farm? Down on the farm, sure. They are where we get a lot of our squash okay. from. That yep. way they can they can grow all of the squash that they want and we can just go pick it up and come home and bake it off. Now, that is, those are things that we have grown, mm-hmm. but the viney plants just get unruly very quickly. They do. They don't play nice in the sandbox. And especially when we're using the elevated planter boxes. Right. Now, if we had the quarter acre garden like we had at the last place nine years ago, that was certainly a, a better place for that because like half of that was just all vine plants. Right. And there's there are tricks to be able to do it. You just got to be able to set up a fence for sure. these vines to crawl on top of and then the fruit just kind of hangs underneath. So there are options, but it's then the matter of you have to make sure your beds are at the right depth in order to get it. And then you have to train everything to go that way. So, I mean, you can do vine stuff in the beds that we have. It's just that we're not set up for it. Sounds like a little bit more work too. It is. As far as like, you know, uh, continually tending to the garden. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like our strawberry plants. We always have to make sure that all the, because now it's, they're starting to spread. So originally we bought um, eight plants. Sure, sure. That barely fit uh, fit in our our little area that we designated as strawberries. And next thing we know, it's completely filled. Which is a good thing. Which is a great thing. But now we have to manage that. That is now we have to go out there. We have to manage those strawberry plants. And hopefully next year we'll have quite a strawberry harvest. I'm crossing my fingers. Okay. You said it might take a year or two before they're established. Usually takes about a year. Okay. So hopefully they survive the winter. And the how we have them positioned in the yard is they've got that that windbreaker from coming from the west. So... That's why we have the strawberries where they're at. So that way, hopefully they get a little bit protected from the uh, westerly winds. Well, our listeners are just going to have to keep following us for the next year to see how those turn out. I know. And on top of it, we haven't even touched our fire pit, but it's been a little too hot to be able to move some rock around. And we're now having to try to find some crushed granite to match what we have in the yard. So we've been carrying around baggies of crushed granite to... Find out whether or not it's going to match what we have. Yes, you have been carrying around baggies of crushed granite. I know you just won't join in on that fun of carry around a baggie of crushed granite. It's okay. Yeah, as long as you find the the similar sized stuff, a lot of S's there. It doesn't have to be the same color totally, but close would be good. I'm going to go with let's try to get close. Close, yeah. Um. But then back to the garden quick. Yep. Uh, corn. Or, oh, or, yeah, our corn. It's oh. huge. Again, tall, big, just not producing. Well, it's not but supposed it, to yet. Right. I know that corn is supposed to be a little bit, but we definitely got our knee high by 4th of July. And I did take out the 22 inches that it is raised up off the ground. But even with that, it's still a hip high. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's looking pretty good. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting. Interesting to see the variety that we get and how it looks once it's tasseled out and all that jazz. Right. I'm kind of looking forward to it. So, I mean, even if it doesn't produce any corn, then at least we can cut it down and we can dry it and we can put it in front of the house for the fall decorations. You'd be all fancy, huh? Yeah. So we do have the post. We do have our little lantern. We do. So we do have our little Narnia lantern that we need to find a way to decorate. And you, you notice I changed the lights or yeah, the, the actual light bulbs and yep. the lamp. Back to the, the appropriate lights. The flickering candelabra sort of bulbs. Mm-hmm. Those are quite fancy. I definitely think it gives it an appropriate sort of Narnia feeling. It does. Now, in the wintertime, I like to change them out to something that's bright and you can actually see the area you need to snow blow in the driveway. So I just do it by feel. No. No, I want to protect the lawn a little bit more than that. 
just a little bit. By the way, that's also another reason why you do the seal coating and manage the cracks and crevices so that you don't get all of the um, weeds and stuff pulling up in the cracks. So when you go to snowblow or shovel, those aren't like... Stopping points? Yeah, because that just never feels good and starts wrecking stuff too. Mm-hmm. So pro tip, we're thinking about winter. Take when care. it's 90 degrees outside. Yep, take care of your weeds and your cracks and crevices, and it'll benefit you later. Yes, most definitely. So when are you going to put the uh, garage door opener up? Once I get the other bits and bobs that I need to suspend the garage door from the joists. And I know that I'm not the person to go get those things because then I come home with extra stuff. I just buy more stuff for other projects. Extra stuff that's unrelated, perhaps. More than likely. Keeps it interesting. I know. But I think I'm because it's the same sort of product I'm going to need. So I'm either going to use the kind of L piece with the holes in it. Like you've seen... They're hanging the other parts of the garage door. So like how they suspend the tracks on the other side. Oh, okay. It's a perforated metal. Okay. So I'm going to get more of that and, or I might get the Unistrut, like electricians use to mount stuff to walls. So the Unistrut might be good as well. I don't know. I haven't decided yet, but I'm also probably going to get some more of that because the antenna tower that we have in the back I'm eventually going to get up there and climb that and put up some amateur radio antennas. And that'll make it easier because I'll actually just suspend a pulley up there and then I can raise and lower the antenna as I need it or to change it out as well. That way it'll be confined to the tower. As long (laughs) as it is confined to the tower, that is appropriate. But as an amateur radio operator, we just had one of our big events, our field day event at the end of June. Mm Mm-hmm. So that was fantastic. Not sure if I mentioned, but we were over at the United Ambulance over on Bone Avenue. So it's right next to the Grand Rapids Lines. Yes. And that was fantastic. We had jeepers, I, I want to say like 14,000 points. Okay. So we, we made about 100 contacts, which is neat. And this event is with amateur radio all across the world, but it's really sponsored by the American Association, and the thing is practicing setting up your portable station and who can you talk to and how far can you talk to and then what modes can you use to talk to them with. So the different modes are things like, you know, talking with your voice and the other modes can be like Morse code. I was going to say, do you do Morse code over there? We, we, we've got Tom. And Tom's our Morse code guy, and he does all the dits and dahs. And it's just, it's another language. Oh, yeah. So to just see someone who understands it, just get in that, that mode, and he's got his headset on, and he's just flicking the, uh, the iambic paddle, and did it, da, 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 da. It's, it's fantastic. Fantastic to watch. But then there's also a lot of <clears throat> give me options for someone who's more computer-oriented. So you don't have to use your voice to talk. You can plug your computer into your radio and send essentially electronic data, which is the new way of using Morse code. Okay. So, and then computers can talk to each other and send messages back and forth. It's, it's actually how mobile data, so what we use on our cell phone, like sending emails, amateur radio had the precursor to that. So we were part of the invention of all this mobile data and sending uh, TV over the airwaves to your phone, you know, to, to your device. Awesome. Yeah. It, it's really an interesting hobby. And you can talk to people all over the world. Um, I've got my home station and I talked to a, a fellow in Russia and had a contact, a lot of contacts in Florida and over in Seattle, California. And then sometimes over on the East Coast, it just depends on how the radio waves are bouncing that day. Okay. So I know we've been talking about doing a, a road trip out West or perhaps all the way up to Alaska in the next year or so. And 
maybe it's something I take the radio with and we can set up an antenna and maybe talk to people back home 3,000 miles away. Oh, your little group would love that. They would. And, you know, we can use that for social media and post it online. Actually, we've talked to Santa before. Yeah, that's how far the amateur radios can reach, all the way up to Santa's North Workshop. Pole. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, good. They'll, they'll be kind of fun to do. Yep. So, yes, I'm going to have to, again, go to the Home Depot and get some product to install amateur radio stuff and the garage door opener in the workshop. I was hoping for the garage door opener. <laughs> Let's not get our projects messed up. Hey, I'm just taking inspiration from <laughs> from how you roll. You know, you you go to get a mattress and you come home with a bar or however that worked. I was looking for a dresser and I came home with a bar. Which pretty close. You know, bedroom furniture, portable bar. Right. But you did good. It looks very, very good. In our dining room, in our living room. Right. So. Just fantastic. So we are coming down to the end of hour two. All right. I'd like to thank the, the listeners out there. Thank you for tuning in and listening to us. Um, we hope your 4th of July was well and you y'all made it through. And Carrie, how can they get a hold of us now? You can get a hold of us by calling 715-323-2577. And again, that is also a very textable number as well. So if you're a text-friendly person, that's how you'd rather communicate, go ahead and send me a text to that number and I'll respond. Fantastic. We're on all the social medias or, you know, most of them. Uh, also, if you're looking for current listing inventory, head over to myrapids.com. Excellent. And if you wanted to have any more extra information, go ahead, send an email to myrapidsradio at gmail.com. Excellent. Well, that sounds like a very excellent way to get a hold of us. It is very excellent. All right. Well, you guys have a great Central Wisconsin day and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.